Hello and welcome to the You Matter to Christ podcast. Many of our listeners and guests call this podcast an experience because throughout the variety of extraordinary people we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business goals, people forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. On this show, you'll hear from professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and everyday people from all walks of life. Discover the profound truth that regardless of your background or circumstances, you matter deeply to the creator of the universe. You were made for a purpose, and you matter to Christ. Get ready for inspiring stories, personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ. Welcome, everyone, to another You Matter to Christ podcast. Today, I'm with a new friend of mine that I got to hang out with at the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C., not too long ago. And this is Tim Foose, who is the pastor of worship and creative arts at Highland Heights Baptist Church in Virginia. Cool position. And he happens to be into sports a little bit. So, Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Honored and privileged to be able to do this and just excited to share a little bit about the Lord and what he means in my life. I love it. Well, there's two sides of the equation and maybe even three legs of the stool to the pro player prayer project that we're working on. It's the players, the pro players, it's pro business people, and then it's the pastors who support them. So I'm excited to have you here today to help understand where you're coming from. And and the way I like to do that best is to rewind the tape and go back to Tim Foose when you're five and six years old. Tell us about what did you love to do when you were a kid? Where were you at in the world? What was your thing when you were younger? Oh, man. Well, I was born and raised in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And we lived at that age, at five and six, I was living out on a farm. We had a 20-acre farm and we weren't farmers. That's just where we lived. Mom and dad had a nice house out there, 20 acres. We boarded horses and weren't really the farmers out there, but that's just where we lived. And I loved it. Dad would, uh, every winter, he would create what we call the backyard rink. So he would put out the two by sixes, make a big old rink out there, and he would freeze it over every night, walk out with the hose, and we'd go out and play hockey together, or invite the friends over, and man, it was just a great time. So sports has always been a big part of, of who I was, and I got that from my dad. He was into sports as well, loved sports, very athletic. And uh, another piece of that was, was hockey. Of course, we played hockey a lot, but another piece was the music. From an early age, at five and six, I'd actually started taking lessons. So at the age of five, I started taking piano lessons. My mom was a piano teacher, and I honestly, I didn't have a choice. (laughs) She sat me behind the piano and said, you're going to learn. So I was like, okay. And at the age of six, I took up the trumpet and started playing trumpet. And even at that age, we didn't have anything, no bands or anything organized in schools, but I was taking private lessons all through, I'll say, elementary school. And then when I got into middle school, that's when the band program started. So yeah, man, my life really revolved around family. Uh, It's me and my sister and my parents. 
And we lived out on a 20-acre farm, and we would play a lot of hockey during the winter. We would play, uh, you know, on the snowmobiles. I remember fond memories of hopping on the snowmobiles, and uh, we called it ditch driving. We'd, you know, get down in the ditches of the roads, man, jumping up over top of the driveways and stuff. And then in the summer, I played football as well. So high school, middle school, and then, of course, music was another big part of my life. Well, if you're not playing hockey in Canada, it's kind of like living in Colorado and not skiing, which my best friend, it happens out that he doesn't ski. So there are a few non-skiers in Colorado, but if you're born and raised here, then generally you ski, just like in Canada, generally you play hockey, or at least you love it. The running joke up there is you're born with skates on, you know, you just, away you go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, that's amazing. So thinking about high school and then on to college, what about then? Thinking about the band, the football, the hockey, did, did a lot of who you were as a five and six-year-old, did that carry forward into your teen years and into your 20s? It did, man. Honestly, every bit of it and a lot of that into high school. Again, played football all through high school. Hockey wasn't as big a part of my high school, I'll say, career just because up in Canada, it wasn't in the high schools like football was. It was so big. It was all in the communities. And you could, I mean, there were multiple, multiple hockey teams that you could be a part of in your own community, let alone the entire city of Calgary. So I did play hockey, but not as organized as I did in high school with football. And then band. I was, uh, again, playing trumpet. I was in the marching band. Sorry, we didn't have the marching band there. It was in a local band. And then also in the high school, I played in the jazz band and what was called the wind ensemble or the concert band. So a lot of that, everything that I grew up doing carried on right on into high school. And then honestly, right on into college. For a while there, man, Chad, I thought I had it all figured out. I was doing my own thing. Me and the Lord had a deal. Uh, I was going to keep doing this and he was going to do this and we were all good. And I wasn't not like I wasn't a hellion or anything like that, but I really wasn't living for the Lord. I'd given my life to the Lord at a young age. I, I accepted him. I saw my need and uh, for a savior and I, and I knew the decision I made was real, but I really hadn't surrendered my life until about the age of 21. I was fine doing the sports and doing my thing. I was actually working at a grocery store, Safeway. I, man, I was fast tracking the career. I was following my dad's footsteps. And the Lord really got a hold of my life at about the age of 21. And it was at that time that I had completely surrendered to what the Lord wanted to do in my life. And uh, man, he really flipped my life upside down. And he said, all right, now that I got your attention, your way this this long, he's now, now let me show you what I can do when you're completely surrendered to me. And then I didn't end up going to college until I was 25, kind of pulled back a little bit. And uh, once the Lord got a hold of my life, man, it was all completely surrendered. And here we go. And it was at that time that I came to a Liberty University in uh, 1995. I was at the age of 25. And I got down here. And at that point, I knew I was going to be in music. I knew I was going to be in a church leading worship somewhere. I really, Chad, knew that all along. And I just really fought the plan that the Lord had for my life because I figured my plan was better. And I kind of liked it. It was more comfortable. Let me put it that way. And I'm one of those guys, man, I like to be in charge. I like to make the calls and the decisions. So when I completely surrendered to the Lord, I knew at that point exactly what I was going into and was going to be and, and what he wanted me to do. So when I got to college, went to Liberty University in 1995, and I jumped in. I was, again, I found myself playing hockey for the university. 
Um, I was in the band. I was in all the bands that you could be in. I was training, you know, taking the voice lessons and all of that, looking to be the best I could be when I graduated to step into a church and lead worship well. So, yeah, man, my life has always been sports and music as long as I can remember. You'll never guess the name of the book that's sitting on my desk that I'm queuing up as the next book in my read. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. There you go. Apparently surrender. I've been a fan of you two from early childhood. I've now become a fan of Need to Breathe, which is a, they're almost a, they are kind of Christian influenced band from South Carolina. So I've seen them at Red Rocks every time they played. They're coming back in May of 2024. But my sister-in-law said, hey, you've got to read this book. So she bought it for me for my birthday this year. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. A lot of their songs are about surrender. So I'm going to go off the normal questions because there's a friend right now who's in a Bible study with me. And he's kind of looking at a reinvention of his life. He's like, hey, I want to change my identity. And when I hear those words together, I think God gives you an identity in Christ. Like maybe it's just find your identity. So he's doing a 21 day fast. He's on day 11 or 12, uh, water only. And it's pretty amazing. And I'm seeing the shift in his mind. So if you were to articulate when and how you did that 180 flip. And if you were talking to this guy and looking him out in the eyes, what advice would you give to him from the experience that you had? Yeah, Chad. Again, like you said, I'll share my experience and you know what he's going through obviously is going to be his experience with the Lord. But for me, my experience, man, I just wasn't completely surrendered. I grew up in church. I used to tell people I had a drug problem when I was younger. I was always drugged to church. It was whenever the doors were open, I was drugged to church, and which was great and was incredible. But there was a point where, man, I stopped. I didn't resent the church. I just re- really wasn't bought in. And when I was younger, it was more about like the going to the church and the doing of things rather than being a Christ follower. And it wasn't until I'm going to say about 19 years old, 20 years old, that, man, the Lord just flipped things. Like I said earlier, he flipped the complete 180 on me. I had the great job. I was living at home. I was engaged. I mean, I had all kinds of money. In world's eyes, I was doing great. In my eyes, I was doing great, but it wasn't what the Lord wanted for me. Man, he literally, Chad, started taking things from me. The job that I had making 45 grand a year as a 19-year-old living at home, this is back now in 1990, which was big money at the time for a 19-year-old kid. He took that. He's like, you know, Safeway did a complete flip of their structure. I was at the high end of things, now got dropped down because of the restructure down to the lower end of things and took a buyout. So the job was gone. Here went, I had to start selling the vehicles. I don't have the, you know, the money anymore. My fiance and I, we we came to an amicable agreement. Hey, we're not headed in the right direction anymore. The Lord was working in my life and heart so that we parted ways. And he just literally took everything. I say took everything. That sounds harsh. He exposed those things in my life that were preventing me from being completely surrendered to him. And when those things were no longer a part of my life, I was able to see that really the only thing I needed is him. And these other things were, I wouldn't call them idols, Chad, but they were certainly keeping me from that relationship that he desired from me and that ultimately he knew I needed. And it was about that 19 or 20 where 
there were just things in my life that were keeping me from that totally surrendered relationship to him. Mm, Love it. Yeah. I think a lot of people experience that at some point in their life. And there's probably different plateaus, right? Where you surrender and then you hit another point. And now, okay, now I need to surrender more. I have seen some people who got arrested for one thing or another, go to prison. And man, you talk about full surrender. They've got a reason to surrender completely and fully. And some of these folks that I meet on the other side of that experience, they're such neat people because they are just on fire for God. And they know that there's no other reason why they're out. There's no other reason why they give up their drugs and alcohol and crime and and everything else. And it's just, I'm sure you've met people like that in around your church and people that you serve. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I used to always think, hey, my testimony is not that big a deal because I wasn't that person. I didn't go to jail and, you know, all of this and God completely turned my life around. But in the same token, he really did. Like I was no different than that person that had gone to jail or done all of these bad things. I wasn't surrendered to him. And he did what he needed to do to get my attention so that he could use me the best way he knew how to use me or that he needed me. And I always just call that the philosophy of availability. He doesn't want our ability. He wants our availability. And yeah, man, at 21, he had left me literally with nothing. No job, no no vehicles, no nothing. And it was at that point that I'm like, all right, God, I surrender. I'm yours. Do what you want to do with me, through me, and for me. And man, from that point on, it has been a wild ride. (laughs) So question that may revolve in those times or may have occurred in those times. It's funny. And I just went to Winter Park in the mountains, Colorado recently. And there's this band that's posted all over the wall. And it's called The String Cheese Incident. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, what? I can only imagine what the string cheese incident might have been. But a lot of us face an incident or a challenge where it just jars us. I call it the buzzsaw of life moment or moments. Is there one of those that you can remember, just like you said, you lost your fiance, you lost your $45,000 a year job. Is there an instance, a string cheese incident? <laughs> in there that you can point to that says, oh yeah, that's when things really changed for me. At that moment, Chad, that probably, there wasn't like a day or a time where I can, like I can tell you exactly the day and time when I knelt at the couch in the living room and and gave my life to Christ. But there's not a time at that 20, 21 years of age that I can say I can point directly to that. It was just this course of events and actions that started happening. So there wasn't an incident right there. And honestly, it was more of a like, okay, I'm done running. And I knew he was chasing after me hard and wanting me to do this and young, stupid decisions and things like that. And I knew I was like, okay, I I need to be done. So there wasn't an incident back then that I can say like, this is the moment in time that really changed for me it was more a, a few moments and, and a few decisions and things like that over the course of time that really grabbed my attention. And course of time, I mean, like, you know, like within a year or two where it was, you know, and I'm not going to say I surrendered immediately, man. I fought hard for a while and I can make this work and this is my course of action and this is my plan. And finally, the Lord just over that course of time just said, no, this is what we're going to do and I'm going to see it happen in you. Now, like you had also mentioned, though, Chad, there's different times in life that happen where we either hit that plateau or he grabs our attention. And I don't know if you still want to hang around 
back that early days or if we want to fast forward a little bit because there was one of those like you called it a buzzsaw moment that happened to me in 2021 i had covid in 2021 i had covid i escaped it for whatever a year and a half never had it was never really sick at all and in 2021 i got covid and it was October 9th, actually, coming up here on the two-year anniversary of it. October 9th, I went to the hospital, and I don't remember any of it. And I'll go through all the details right now because it's a pretty long, awesome story of what God did. But October 9th, I went into the hospital and was in the ICU for three weeks. And they had called my wife. That was on a Saturday. They called my wife Sunday night and said, you need to get the family and all the affairs in order he's probably not coming home. So at that point, my wife called my sister. She's a nurse, lives in Georgia. She came up to Virginia to be with my wife and help her navigate all the time that I was in the hospital and the questions and everything that the doctors were throwing at my wife and the decisions that she had to make. And man, it was a rough time for them. The crazy thing is, it was an unbelievable time of spiritual growth for me. It was one of those times where I've been a Christian since I was six, I'm 52. And there's times throughout my journey and walk with him that I've experienced him in ways that I I don't understand or can't always explain, but have been very obvious that it has been him. This is one of those times that I will never forget and probably haven't experienced in him in the way that I have being in that hospital room. Uh, The doctors were telling my wife and my sister, I don't know how he's handling the pain. They had me on the high flow oxygen and it was heated and it was, they told it was like, he's basically have a fire hydrant of water and heated water just going through him, trying to clear out his lungs and just all of that sort of stuff, all kinds of medication and sitting in the hospital chat. I didn't feel any of it. I didn't know any of it. There was a night where I remember that distinctly that the Lord walked in that room and not visibly, I mean, it wasn't there, but I knew he was there. And it was like he sat at the end of my bed and looked at me and said, Tim, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. I was fine. I mean, whether he meant literally for that moment or literally you're going to walk out of this hospital in three weeks, we had no idea what kind of time frame we were looking. But it was that moment that his presence was with me so heavy, Chad, that really nothing else mattered. I just remember asking the doctor, well, all right, man, what do I need to do? I need to go home to my family. What does this look like? And we've got to work you down off of this. I was on 100%, 60% or 100%, 60, forget exactly what all the terms are, but of this nitric, it was a type of oxygen that went straight into the blood flow. I was on the regular oxygen and I had to get all of these levels down before they could move me on to the next step. And man, it was awesome. I got to the point where I was sharing the gospel in the hospital four or five times. I mean, I had a captive audience. All the nurses were coming in, the doctors were coming in, man. And it was awesome. I was just bold in my faith and my strength in him. But like next to death's door, apparently, I never knew any of that. Nobody told me that. Nobody said anything. And if they did, I don't remember it. And let's just say that was the Lord protecting me. And that whole three weeks, I remember his presence with me extremely strong. And I got home on a Tuesday night. Friday morning, I woke up and I leaned over to my wife and I said, he's gone. And my wife said, I know, I know, I can tell. And it wasn't that he was gone like he had left me. I mean, I'm a Christian, I'm secure in my salvation. And I know what that means, that Christ is always with me. 
But the presence that he was with me the way he was in that hospital, he had left. And when he did that, as soon as I told my wife that, he said, and not audibly, but in my head, in my heart, he said, Tim, I did what you asked me to do and what your family asked me to do through prayer. I took care of you. I walked with you through this journey. He said, if you want to be this close to me again, he said, it's up to you to come to me. And man, I'll tell you, Chad, I've been chasing that. I use the word feeling, but I use that very loosely. I Let's just call it a feeling experience, that closeness with God. I've been chasing that for the past two years. And man, I've found again, going back the 20 years now, that there's things in life that get in our way of that complete surrender or of that complete experience in Jesus Christ. And yeah, man, so I had it 20 years ago. I had it two years ago. And uh, if nothing else, strengthen my resolve to grow my relationship with Christ. Wow. You know, I had COVID and was seven days in and nearly died also. My wife was like, why didn't you tell me you were going to die last night and takes me to the ER the next day? And that night when I got put on oxygen at home, I also prayed to meet God. And I'm like, I know you've been there all along, but I've never met you. And for about 60 seconds, which seemed to be forever, because there was just this peace, like wearing a Bose headset, but there was a stream. And I was like, I got it. Okay, this is very cool to be introduced and in the presence of, because I didn't see him or a figure. I have seen angels before. And so I've seen figures that way, but I didn't see Jesus or God, but I certainly like you're talking about the presence. So that was amazing. For an analytical thinker who's looking at it like, hey, before it sounds like he was making 45 grand a year, everything's fine. And then think of the 2021 near-death experience. Talk to me about the T-chart. On this side, there was doing it on my own. And on that side, there was doing it with full surrender to let God direct me. What are the pros and cons of either side of that time in your life? Think about both of those incidents. Wow. Wow. So I'll just say the left side of of doing it on my own. It's going to be tough to say there were pros because I know what it's like to live the surrendered life. Now, the pros I would say are all based on worldly aspirations. And I had the nice car. I had beautiful fiance. We were married in six months. And, you know, all of that, the money, I had no issues, no bills, no nothing, da, 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 all of that. Everything looked good on the outside. But on the inside, you know, there was something lacking. And I might not have seen it right then or, or been completely aware of it, but I knew it. I knew it in my heart, in my soul, that I wasn't 100% as fulfilled as I could have been by living a life surrendered to the Lord. You know, the cons, and that would be the con. I just wasn't living surrendered. I wasn't living up to my God-given potential that he had for me. And it's not that necessarily he had this big platform for me. Again, it goes back to that philosophy of availability. He just wanted me for me. He wanted to use me for his glory and his honor. And I wasn't allowing him to do that because I was stuck in my glory and my honor. So, I mean, there's the pro and the con. Same thing, fast forward to 2021 and a little bit different in 2021 because now I've been in ministry for 20, 21 years. And not that I'm just going through the motions, but now my life is different. I'm actually living a surrendered life to him in the ministry. And I've got a family, a wife and four kids now, all of that in the mix. And here we go again. Here's an experience where I've experienced him in a way that I never have before. And honestly, for me, it was not necessarily, I'll say that, you know, that buzzsaw moment, but it was more of a moment of, hey, man, 
I'm not done with you yet. It was almost like a, I'll call it a kick in the pants. It was like, dude, get out of the rut, get out of this mentality of just going through the motions of your daily walk with me. I've got more for you. And honestly, that's one of the reasons I see that he chose to, you know, leave me here. He's not done with me yet. There's obviously something more that he wants me to do for him. Again, and there's the reality and the realization. As I chase that relationship with him, there's the reality. He's going to use me and work in me and through me to reach a community that needs him. So honestly, man, that's the pro. I would say the pro for me right now after this 2021 experience was, man, he gets all the honor and the glory. It is not about me at all. The con is there is no con. There is no con. I love it. Honestly. Ex-con, they call that. (laughs) Wow. So it's interesting timing because Five years ago, I was at maybe even 10, between 10, five and 10 years ago, I was at the peak of my earning cycle so far in life. And so made it to, in the last two years, live in the neighborhood that I grew up in near my parents. And my dad was a doctor. And so I've really worked hard. And I always kind of am conscious of, I don't need to show anything off. I just want to be close to my parents now. But recently for the last couple I haven't been able to get back anywhere near that level of earning potential. And I'm investing a lot of my time in things like Pro Player Prayer Podcast, our project, and this podcast. So I'm investing 40 to 50% of my time with the stated goal of investing 100% of my time in working for God. And I'm at a point right now of the surrender, thus the book read that's coming up, of should I list my house for rent for a few years or maybe a year and let the cash flow subsidize my ability to go out and share the word? Even to the point where I listed it yesterday and now I got a call from someone who's a professional and said, yeah, I'll get it rented for you. So my goal within the next three to four weeks, even my kids are both in college, rent our nice house to a family who probably could love it and be able to go, I'll go to wherever I want, come see you for a month, hang out down the road in an apartment with my wife. And then maybe we need to go to DC for two weeks. Maybe we need to go to Greece, but I can follow the path of wherever it is God needs me to be and cut the ties of have, you know, and it's, I'm I'm just, I can feel that pancake flipping and I just pray about it. And it's like, Tracy has always been on board with wherever the Lord's taken us. And I just think that that's what's going to play out in the next few weeks. Oh, man, that's awesome. Like that type of stuff gets me just, man, that lights my fire because that's kingdom minded for me. Man, I love it. It's not about Chad minded, Tracy minded. It's about kingdom minded. And there's that life of complete surrender and availability. I mean, you obviously didn't just come up with this at one some point. The Lord has been working in your heart and your life to say, hey, man, I want you to do this. Yeah, I gave you this opportunity. I gave you this asset that can kick off all this money that would support you in a way that the work that you do, you can limit to 20% of your week. And now you could spend 80% of your time doing what I need you to do in my game. And that's where I'm just like, and the fact that my wife goes along with anything that, right? That just makes me tear up. So man, I'd love it, Tim, if you could, as I go through this, I get emotional. Would you mind just praying for these decisions coming up? Because man, it's big and important. Absolutely. You want me to pray right now? Let's just pray right now, man. Absolutely. 
God, I come to you on behalf of Chad right now. God, man, I am super encouraged to hear about my brother's heart for you, his desire to serve you. And man, you don't hear about this often. You don't hear people wanting to sell their house or rent out their house just to go on mission for you, whatever that looks like. God, all the unknowns, all the questions, all the whatever. God, I thank you that you've been working in Chad's life and his heart. Lord, that he is surrendering his life and his will to you to be used by you. And God, I pray that you will encourage him, that you will strengthen him, that he will continue to live in the boldness that he is living in. God, may he not He might not see all the answers or get all the answers right now, and that's okay, because we know in Romans 8, 28 says, you're working all things together for good, for your glory, to those that love you. So God, we claim that promise today. We thank you for what you're doing in Chad's life. God, I know there's the logistics of everything that has to happen as far as the renting of the house and finding the right person and all of that, but God, we know that you've got that under control already. You're showing Chad the direction that you want him to go. Lord, we know that you're taking care of all the details because you're a God of the details. So Father, I thank you for that. God, again, I thank you for Chad and his willingness to live this life of surrender to you. And uh, God, I'm encouraged. I'm excited. I'm on fire for him. I'm excited to see what you do in him and through him and his wife. And God, we give you the glory today for what you're going to do. Lord, we know the harvest is ready, that there's people that need to hear the gospel. And God, Chad is willing to step out in faith in a big way and be able to be used by you for your glory. So God, I thank you and I praise you for what you're going to do in him over the years ahead. God, it's in your great and matchless name I pray. Amen. Amen. Wow, man. So let me just encourage people that are listening to this podcast. There's people that you meet in your life that have stuff going on, big decisions like the one that I'm facing. And my encouragement to you is to pay attention to the people that you're talking to, because when you ask, hey, can I pray for you real quick? Like it's said 99% of people, even if they're not a believer, they're not going to say no, they're going to they're going to welcome it. So as someone who just received prayer there, let me just tell you the level of encouragement and it's powerful. So that's my advice, man, is if you meet someone, whether they're on a street corner, it's your brother or your sister, your mom or your dad, it doesn't matter who it is, a stranger, and just be open and attentive because we've all prayed before. Let's start praying more for the people that we listen to. And then by the way, it causes us to pay a little more attention to what's going on in their life. Because when we pray for them, man, we just invite the Lord to come into the presence, just like he was there in 2021, just like he was there when you kneeled down in your couch and gave your life to him. He's always there and he is invitable to be in our presence. So Pastor Tim, I thank you for inviting him here. I know he was in the moment and I really appreciate having you as a friend and part of the Pro Player Prayer Project. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it too, man. This is great. I'm always encouraged. I never leave conversations about Jesus discouraged. I always leave conversations about him encouraged. And you as a new friend, man, this has been a blessing, awesome time, again, of encouragement. Man, you'll never go wrong talking about Jesus ever to anybody, whether it's a believer, uh, whether it's an unbeliever. Man, when you talk about Jesus, things happen. There's power in the name of Jesus. Yeah. And you know what? He may tell me, nope. That's not what you need to be doing. You need to stay right there and in your community. So that's just it. We have to be open to what he wants and just follow the signs, right? He shows you the path. We just have to be attentive to it. So 
I'm trying to be attentive. I appreciate your encouragement. And uh, thank you so much for sharing your testimony today, those moments in life that are so important. The fact that you were engaged and then not and now married with children, like it's just like the Garth Brooks song, <laughs> Unanswered <laughs> Prayers. <laughs> there you go. That's it. He's got the plan. It's up to us to follow it. So uh, God's peace, everybody. Thank you for joining another You Matter to Christ podcast. We've been talking to Tim Foos, who is the pastor of worship and creative arts at Highland Heights Baptist Church in Virginia. And remember, you matter to Christ. Thank you for joining us on the You Matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope, purpose, and the knowledge that you matter to Christ. Christ.